preach long, but they give me the less time to come up here to preach. <laughs> uh, too funny. Uh, amen. Amen. I just want to say that the worship team was so prophetically on point with their songs today. Just uh, give God a strong hand clap for that. There's something about being prophetically on point when things happen like that. Um, Several uh, wonderful things that God is doing. I've been uh, just seeking the Lord on several different aspects. And uh, God has just been giving me this strong seer anointing to see things. And uh, several things. I think in 2017, God had given me a vivid vision about Venezuela. And uh, I had to repost it. Because God showed me uh, hundreds of thousands of people walking out to oust the president and how America was going to intervene. And I, and I thought, well, this was going to happen in 2018. Uh, I, so I just put it out there, 2017. And then the other day, I'm looking at the news. Boof, there it is, exactly what I saw, what God was doing. And this is caused because of the church in Venezuela. Just so you know, this is happening because of prayers. God is actually shifting the nation because of the body of Christ. Now, what would happen if the church here in America starts praying and shifting the nation? Amen? This is not about uh, uh, political stuff. This is not about that. This is about... Bringing the glory of God and awakening into our land where eyes are totally open to the truth. So what if that would happen if we started really pressing in into the word, into what God said? Funny story, I'm standing here this morning in worship and then uh, Pastor Rifle touches me in the back. He says, you should be on the worship team with those jeans you got on. (laughs) True story. You guys in the worship team are really hip, you know? Um, Our ministry, Last Day's Voice Ministries, is going to be doing some fundraising uh, today in a little table in the back, we have some products and items only because in July, I believe uh, my girls and I, they want to go back to Kenya and plant another seed. So they'll be taking care of that table today. So if you want to stop by, things you're probably going to purchase anywhere at a store, why not just put it back into the kingdom? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, I'm excited about this word. This word was really, really on point for me this past week. But Nehemiah chapter 6, I'm going to be talking about being kingdom focused or kingdom focus. Anyone ever feel like they're being distracted? Nah, I'm just the only one. Does anyone ever feel like they're being distracted? I mean, we have so many distractions this day, right? We have the phone, we have social media, we have... You know, different things that just distract us on a daily basis. 
And so sometimes we can lose focus on what we're really setting out to do. And um, like 10 other things come up. And then next thing you know, we never even set out. We never even finish what we set out to do in the first place. And so this distractions, these distractions sometimes take us from, uh, detour us from where we need to be. Okay, I, I don't know if, you, if you're getting this right now, but sometimes it detours us. It could, even, it, could, it could even brainwash us to the point where we're believing a lie instead of for believing the truth. Because we're so caught up in the distraction, we start confessing whatever that distraction is instead of for confessing the truth of the Word of God and set out for the real thing that God set us out to do. Amen. Amen. And um, I knew in 2018, there was a lot of distraction, especially in my life. Um, there was just a lot of distraction. I had to, during this week, I had to shut off things and just, you know, just put myself in the word of God and just start really meditating on what God was saying. Um, we, we did set out, uh, we did put out a prophetic word uh, that the end of this month, the uh, government shutdown was going to end, and that exactly what happened. I, I don't have any political uh, uh, pundits back there telling me all these things. These are things God is telling me. There's a lot of things going to happen in our nation, and it's not doom and gloom. It's so we can pray into it, and we start seeing God shake up our nation and bringing people to the truth. Amen? I'm praying for God to expose every lie. Expose every single lie. So when your kingdom focus, what happens is, is that the enemy no longer has a playing field in your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, and in your life. He has no playing field anymore. Because now you're focused on the only thing God has you to do. And so now I'm looking at Nehemiah. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter Chapter 6. So I'm, I'm going to read from verse 1. So if you got from verse 1, and then we'll, we'll stop at verse 4. And it says, let's read it. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, and the Arab, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of the enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it. Though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Sambalat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? And then in verse 4, it says, They sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them. In the same manner. I want you to look at your neighbor and says, I have no time for that. I'm too busy. First of all, a quick autobiography of, uh, quick biography of uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah was born in a strange country. So he was born uh, during the time that the children of Israel had became slaves. Uh, they were slaves first of the Babylonians, and then the Persians took over, then the Syrians. And it was just a big 
a, a big transition. But he was born in that country. And um, for him to gain the position that he had, which was a, a cupbearer, he needed to gain the trust of the kingdom. And so the process of that trust, I could just imagine what Nehemiah had to go through just to gain that position. And then not only to gain that position, but also to gain the trust and the ear of the king. Amen. You know, I, I think we live in a, in, in a very uh, weird time where um, there, there, there is a, a very strong, strong thing against authority. I don't know if you know that, if you see that. But there's a strong will against authority. And then we, you know, I grew up, our generation grew up where we respected authority. We understood authority. Amen. I grew up in the streets of New York, and um, my uncle taught me that when the police officer told you, put up your hands, you put up your hands. When he said, get on the floor, you get on the floor. He said, you don't want to get shot today? Put your hands up, get on the floor. Just respond the way they want you to respond. I'd rather you go to jail, be alive, than be dead on the floor. So those are the kinds of things we were taught. And these days, they pull out their cell phone first. You know, and then, so there's a lot of things that happen in our community right now that is going on that we can see that, that it's not because of, it's not because we have lost who we are, but it's because we have lost the train of thought in how to submit to authority. I'm going to speak truth. So, so you know, we, we, we have campaigns going out there saying, not my president, or we have other campaigns going out there saying this or that. And then, you know, everything is just a, a, a very anarchist attitude towards authority. Now, this is the generation we're living in. Now, if, if uh, anyone uh, is from the 60s, I'm not going to, don't, don't raise your hand. Then people start aging you. I said, wait, Manoy's this hand. I knew he would do that. <laughs> and pretty much the same generation, right? Uh, everybody was protesting, you know. Except those days were really weird. They would walk around naked and stuff like that. Just don't, don't. <laughs> I think. <laughs> really weird. But, um, you, you know, in the kingdom, there, there's something about um, submitting to authority that allows you to, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, it allows you to be raised up into a position of authority. It, it doesn't work like, like out there in the worldly system. See, the worldly system will tell you, well, it, you know, it, it's a dog-eat-dog world. Step on everybody, and you'll get to where you need to get to, right? And then if you're bigger than everybody else, so if you make more money, you got more this, more that. But what happens is, is that people lose themselves and lose their soul in the middle of all of that. Instead of her having authority over them, and being submitted to authority and allowing God to take them through the process in order for them to get the ear of the king. You see, the Bible says your gift will make room for you. Okay? Where's that room? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak real truth today. Where's that room? 
The other thing is, the Bible says it will put you before great men. And the only way you get before great men or great women, the only way you get before great men is because you have recognized authority. Great men don't just show up to your house. You show up to great men. Because they recognize something in you. What? Submission to authority. The other day I had a friend... And he contacted me and texted me and said, I'm right now in the White House. We're about to go see President Trump. I said, wow, that's amazing. You know, it, 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 you, 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 don't have to, you don't have to also look at the things and say, oh, I don't respect this and I don't respect that. You have to respect the authority. It's biblical. Whether you like it or not, it's biblical. It's in the word of God. Authority is given in place. Um, I like what Jesus said to the centurion. And I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. Jesus said to the centurion, he said, when, when he looked at him and the centurion said, you know what? You don't need to come to my house. Just speak the word. I am under authority and have authority. Read it again. I am under authority and have authority. And what he was saying there was, if I say to a hundred men right now, move, they'll move. So what Jesus recognizes is that he recognized that Jesus was under authority. And that he had power to shift and move things because he was under authority. Because he wasn't doing the works of him, he was doing of the works of the Father who sent him. So, in Christianity... We don't submit to authority because we're obligated to do so. We submit to authority because the word says so. We submit to authority because we have humility in our heart to do so. And because of that humility, God raises us up. There is no power more powerful than being submitted to authority. I'm telling you. I've seen it in our own ministry. When we go out and preach... And we preach to thousands and we see thousands healed, saved, and all of this stuff. That only happens because I'm submitted to authority. If I'm a loose uh, thing, and I'm going to speak this very, very clearly because I believe that in our house and everywhere, we need to hear this truth right now, especially for our generation. We have to see that. There is, um, I know I grew up like this, where I said, you know what, I'm going to do things my way. And guess what? Didn't end up well. It was not till I had some mentor in my life telling me, hey, don't do that. Come this way. Come that way. And then some people say, well, I'm submitted to Holy Spirit. I'm submitted to Christ. I don't need to be submitted to any man and all that stuff. But how can you be submitted to the head and not the body? There has to be a submission in both areas there. Why? Because God has placed us to do so. Now, I'm looking at Nehemiah's life, and I'm saying, wow, Nehemiah, Nehemiah spent enough time in the king's presence to gain the king's confidence to the point where he's in the king's ear asking him for funding <laughs> to build the wall. I didn't want to go there this morning. I had to go there. 
That wasn't even on purpose. Honestly. This is the truth. This is what happened. Why did he have that authority to go next to the king? Because of his position, number one, and his submission, number two. He would not have position without submission. Amen? The day that you tell me that your job requires you to have position without submission, I'll say you're crazy. Because each one of you who, have a, who are in the workforce has a boss. Yes or no? And whatever, or rules and protocol and different things, whatever that states, you have to follow that. Because if you break that once or twice, you're getting fired. Yes or no? How easy it is for us to submit to authority when we're making money. But less easy to submit to authority when God says so. You see, the flesh is is easier for us to try to gain position without submission. And it just doesn't happen like that, even in the real world. Even as an entrepreneur myself, I know that when I'm, I'm going to do something for a client, I'm submitted to the client at that moment for whatever the client wants. Amen? Amen, Barbara? <laughs> Amen. All of us, we need to understand that there is a point of, of contact with God when we submit. So God goes, how can, you, how can you say you're submitted to me if you have not learned to submit to one another? The Bible says submit to one another. Amen? I'm submitted to this body. Amen? I love to wash the feet of Jesus. So I'm submitted to the body, to serve Amen? And that's just part of Christianity. That's part of who we are. We cannot be Christians who walk around independently. There is no independence in the kingdom. There's a dependent dependency on God and on each other. That's what the body is for. That's why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 12. That's why... The, the Bible says that can the ear tell the eye and can the eye tell the ear and all this stuff because we are all part of a special part of the body of Christ and we need each other. Amen? That's why there's the fivefold ministry, the hand of God, because those five, those five ministries, nobody's bigger than anybody. They just need each other. They're needed in the body of Christ to equip the saints. So, Nehemiah gets funding. And it's weird because the king releases him to go oversee the work. And as he's released to go oversee the work, he runs into issues. First of all, he needs to build a team of people who were willing to believe that they could rebuild something that was destroyed years ago. Second of all, he has to convince them that this was a plan of God. Third of all, he's speaking to a generation who never saw Israel and Jerusalem at its fullest. 
So he's working off a blueprint that nobody knows how it used to look, but all they see is the broken down wall, and he's telling them and saying, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, and people are getting inspired, and everyone just says, you know what? Yes, we can. And guess what happened? They started building the wall. And guess what happened when they started building the wall? Enemies come out. Anytime you start doing something that the Lord called you to do, there's going to be enemies. There's going to be distractions. The enemy will raise up, and this is a backhanded compliment from Satan letting you know that you're on the right track. The minute that you start getting attacked is because the enemy already knows that you're on the right track. And because he knows you're on the right track, he's going to try to distract you to get you away from the right track. So like that, you start looking at him instead of for looking at the work. And then now you're distracted and you're calling out and, and, and making the enemy your point of focus. Am I preaching to someone here? So, at this point in time, in chapter 6, they built the wall. Now, before they built the wall, there was a fear going on amongst the people because they saw so much turmoil happening in Sambalat. I can't believe that two men and a little group of people actually caused so much turmoil with so many people working. It's funny how the enemy could just use one or two people to distract and to try to shake up a whole community of people. It's funny how the enemy will use the words from people's mouths to try to distract and break down so you can confess what the enemy's saying instead of for confessing what you're supposed to do. So here's the thing. The enemy now, Sambalat and Tobiah, now they're coming up and they're, they're over here saying, what are you guys up to? We know you guys don't have funding for this. We're going to break this thing down. We're going to kick it, watch it come over. And everyone's like scared. We're going to go attack you. As soon as you start trying to build this, we're going to attack you. You know what Nehemiah did? He said, every man now, we're going to put watchtowers here. We're going to build those first. And we're going to put every man now. You're going to be carrying bricks with one hand and your sword in the other because because we are not going to let the enemy distract us from doing what we have to do. When you allow the enemy to take your focus away from the thing that God has called you to do, you become distracted, lost, and you begin confessing the opposite thing. So Nehemiah had to encourage the people and say, put the sword at your side and just start building. And then he put communities together to build together. It's called life groups. We need life groups. We need communities building together. Why? The enemy will always try to confront you at your weakest point. I'll repeat that again. The enemy will always try to confront you at your weakest point. In this, in this sense, he's, they saw the breaches in the wall, and they tried to come in through the breaches, and that's where he started fixing first. 
He said, you know what? We need to get these things fixed, and we need to have you guys ready with the sword. Be prepared, because if the enemy breaks through, you're going to have to kill the enemy. So the wall was being built, and at the same time, the courage was being built, and at the same time, they were in a war with the enemy. While you're building, you're at war with the enemy. So, I have a couple of points here. Number one, when you're building, make kingdom building a priority. Jesus never, ever let anything distract him. Amen? In John 9, chapter 9, verse 4, this is what Jesus said. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. So Jesus was like, you know what? I'm focusing on my work. I would focus on the Pharisees. How many times did the Pharisees try to grab Jesus? And the Bible says, and Jesus walked right through them and they could not grab him. Amen. So number two, number two, listen to this. Never engage the enemy on his terms. You see, Sambalat and Tobiah was telling Nehemiah, come out and meet us. And the place was called, oh, no. (laughs) That wasn't prophetic itself. (laughs) I mean, that'll speak for itself. Come and meet me in the plains of, oh, no. But he knew that they were secretly trying to do him harm. So he sent messengers to them and said, I have too much work, too great a work going on right now to be leaving this to go see you. I'm too busy to be messing with you right now. So never engage the enemy on his terms. Amen? Number three. Never believe the enemy's words. Never believe them. They sent to him four times. And if you keep reading that chapter, they even went and started spreading a false message. And they started a smear campaign. And they started saying, it is reported among the nations, okay, that you and the Jews are thinking of rebelling For this reason, you build the wall so that you may be their king according to their words. And in verse 7, okay, in verse 8, he said, I sent to him saying these things which you are saying are not happening. (laughs) What you're saying is a daggone lie. But you pretend them out of your own heart. Come on now. So never believe the enemy's words because if you start engaging the enemy on his terms, you'll take his words and you'll start believing them to the point where you're confessing them. It's a deception. And 
what the enemy does, he tries to plant in your heart the words because he knows that if the word of God is planted in your heart, that you're going to be confessing the word of God. If you look at Jesus' engagement with Satan in the desert, Satan would say something, Jesus would say something back. He never agreed with the enemy on his terms. Every time the enemy spoke a word, he spoke a word back against the enemy that was truth. What came out of the enemy's mouth was a corrupted word and a lie. He would take the word and twist it. What came out of Jesus' mouth was truth and bringing the word to light the way it should be. That is the way we engage the enemy. So never believe the enemy's words. They're bold-faced lies. Amen? So that leads to my next one. Number four, respond to the enemy with truth. Respond to the enemy with truth. Amen? I don't want to hear another word that I'm broke. Amen? Some people look at me and say, but I am broke. (laughs) Broke like no joke. You don't, you don't have to agree with me. But you do have to agree with the word of God. You see, because there's only truth that will come from the word. You know, I, I, I don't like organized religion. I don't. Because religiosity will change uh, the outside and never deal with the inside. I like truth spoken that shifts us from the inside. And then it shifts us from the inside out. It has nothing to do with how we dress. It has everything to do with how we react and how we speak. So I believe when Jesus said, you shall speak new tongues, it wasn't only the Shabbat Baba. It was also speaking in new language. Amen. You know, I I will encourage you that if you don't like what's going on politically, pray. You know, I don't confess to be anything. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. On my card, it says independent. But I am kingdom, first and foremost. So anything that goes up against the kingdom, I will not endorse. Period. The end. If it goes up against the word of God, I will not endorse it. Amen. I've excommunicated myself from New York City, by the way. (laughs) Born and raised in New York. Love it. But when you pass a bill that says that when a child is nine months coming out of the woman's womb, that you can literally snap its neck and cut its head off, I have a problem with that. I love Israel Hooten. How many know who Israel Hooten is? Israel, Israel Hooten, powerful singer. You know, his mother was told to abort him. Could you imagine all the worship songs that we would have lost 
if he was aborted? True story. When I was in my mother's womb, my dad died, literally. A month, a month before I was born. And people were telling my mom, abort him. Could you imagine how many lives would have been lost or not hear the word of God if I would have been aborted? My eldest sister was a product of a rape. And when she was in my mother's womb, they told her, abort her. But my sister now has birthed two other children who are wonderful children um, going to special schools and everything. And she birthed these because she was birthed. You see, this is what I say to everyone here is that we touch up these subjects because the word of God touches up these subjects. Amen. So. The next thing that you must do, number five. Pray. As simple as that. You will see more things happen in prayer. Than with you trying to protest. Get off of Facebook. Stop talking about what everything is. And just pray. Sometimes I'll post something just to provoke thought. See what everybody else's thought is at. You ever notice that we, we get offended really quickly? Amen. When God is dealing with us. He deals with us with communication. He communicates with us. Whether that be through his word or whether that be through his voice. Either way, God is communicating. Holy Spirit communicates. A matter of fact, it says in these last days, he speaks expressively. I want to know what that expressively means. What is the expressive expressiveness of God. What is that? How does he express himself? I want to be, I, I I I be in that tangible moment where he's expressing himself. So Jesus said, I must work the works that God sent me to work. Listen to this. John 3, 21. But he who practices truth comes to the light so that his works may be revealed that they exist, having been worked in God. Just like they were saying this morning. That's why everything that was said on the pulpit, everything that was going on, everything, every worship song, everything was leading right to where we were talking about today. See, now it's not about me doing works to get in God. It's about me doing works in God. I'm working with God, in God, and doing what God wants me to do. And now that becomes my main focus. So everything around me that tries to distract me no longer is a distraction. I just tell the enemy, just be quiet. I'm keep on focusing. I'm doing something right now. I have no time for you. I'm focusing on kingdom. I'm moving in my anointing. I'm moving in my function. I'm moving in my office. I'm moving in where God is telling me to move into. I don't have time for you right now. I'm too busy. 
get yourself so caught up in him that the enemy has no way to distract you. Hmm. You know what Jesus said? Here's a funny thing. And I'm still waiting for this to happen. He said, greater works shall you do. I'm talking about Jesus. He, he, he literally spit in the ground and made eyeballs. Can someone do that right now, right here? Just... Do you understand what I'm saying? Greater works shall you do. How many want to see greater works? I mean, greater works than what Jesus did on earth. The only, the only way we see those greater works is when we're doing it in him, through him, and by him. Amen? I always tell people one-man ministry is desert ministry. It is what it is. Moses did it for a while, and then he got Jethro, and Jethro said, you need some men. <laughs> you need to build a team, dude. Like walking around here, you're like going up there to heaven, and you're coming down all veiled up, and everybody's out here doing crazy stuff. <laughs> sure. They anointed 70, and two crazy ones went into the town, started prophesying. <laughs> the other one came back saying, yo, you don't know what they're doing. Moses was like, I wish all of them were prophesying. It may help me stop prophesying all the time. One-man ministry is desert ministry. Well, when God passes the baton to Joshua, a team is formed. They don't work by themselves. Caleb and Joshua are working as a team, submitted to one another, doing amazing things. Finally, Caleb is like, I want my mountain. 80 years old. I think it sounds a little bit more raspy than that, right? I want my mountain. There was no AARP. There was no reverse mortgage. <laughs> it was just his desire, passion, and his promise. To the point where he says, I'm willing to engage the enemy because I know that I know that I know it's mine. And that's how we have to be. Teamwork. Somebody said teamwork will make the dream work. <laughs> teamwork. Amen. I can't tell you how many evangelists I know out there go, yeah, I'm starting an evangelistic uh, crusade and doing everything by themselves. They come back, they're tired. They don't know what they're, what's going on. They're all crazy. 
teamwork. Everything happens when we begin to move together. Because now, <laughs> while the enemy's engaged, thinking that we're on the west side, we're over here on the east end, we're over here, we're just distracting the enemy, and the enemy's like, what's going on? And we're confusing the enemy's camp. Ephesians 2. We're going to end with this. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hold on. You mean God was sitting on his throne, and I don't know when you were born. I'm just going to use my birthday, 1976. And my spirit ended up in 1976, and he said, that one is created in my workmanship to do good works. Amen? Amen. You are created in his workmanship to do good works. You don't do works to get in God's good favor. You are in his good favor, therefore you do good works. You do works because you're in God already. So now you're just activating what's already in you. (laughs) And you're beginning to do what God called you to do. Amen? We don't have microwave ministers. There's no such thing. I'm waiting for it. I remember one time I got prophesied to. They said, you're going to be a great man of God. You're going to, fire's going to fall. People are going to get slain in the spirit. I'm like, whoa. International ministry. Amen. So then a man of God came in and he was like, I want you to go with me to Dominican Republic and travel the world with me. You're a powerful minister. So I went to my pastor, and I was all happy. I was like, yeah, God, the prophecy's coming to pass. My pastor was like, no. I said, why? You trying to stop me from being the man of God God called me to be? He said, no. I don't trust that man. And God wants you to get prepared. Prepare yourself first. Prepare yourself for engaging the enemy. Prepare yourself for when people betray you. Prepare yourself for Judas's. Prepare yourself. He began to just lay down all of these things. Prepare yourself because if you're not prepared and you go out unprepared, what's going to happen is the enemy will get you distracted and strip you of everything that you have. That'll preach. And about a year later, that man was caught in adultery, fell, his whole ministry just went to pieces. Seven years later is when I entered ministry. I know that's longer than most. Some of you are like, three years. (laughs) Some of y'all popped out of the belly, we're preaching already. One more scripture, one more scripture. 
let's tie it up with one more scripture. Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 27. Okay. To them God will to make known that are the riches of the glory, this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Amen? And one other version says, For which I also labor, striving according to the working of him who works in me in power. Amen. So I want to be focused on his works and what he wants to work in me and through me. No longer am I focused on the enemy or engaging the enemy on his terms. Now I'm doing works in Christ. Not works to be saved. I'm already saved. I'm saved by grace. That's what the Bible says right there. Says, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, if Christ is in you and He likes to do the works of the Father who sent Him, how much more should we be doing for God? I want to challenge you to do more for God. Not for yourself, not for ministry. Not for uh, Pastor Doug, not for any pastor, but, but for God. I cannot impress God with any of my works. But God is impressed, and he impresses me to do his works. Let's stand to our feet. Am I kingdom focused or man focused? Am I focused, am I Christ centered or man centered? Because if I'm man centered, then I'm politically correct. Jesus was not politically correct. Matter of fact, Herod sent him a message and said, Hey, I need to see you. He even told Herod he was busy. The supposed, whatever, mayor of Jerusalem, of Judah, said, I- I'm too busy. Listen, tell that fox. <laughs> I don't think the messenger went back and said, hey, fox. I think Jesus was too engaged in his mission to be distracted by everything the enemy wanted to do. You know, this church, the ministry, I believe we celebrated how many years, Pastor Doug? 20 years. 20 years. Amen? And you might say, wow, that's a long time. Not in God's eyes. It's a very short time. But I believe that we're at the precipice of breakthrough 
to go to where God really wants us to go. To move into the next dimension that God really wants us to move into. Amen. Can I be relevant? Yes. This is why I engage certain things that are going on in our, in, in our nation right now. Do I believe racism exists? Yes. In heaven? No. And as long as heaven is on earth, where I walk through, I don't see color. I see spirit. If you see color still, then you have to start shifting. Amen? When we start shifting our mindset, God will begin to shift our atmosphere. Jesus didn't waste no time when the centurion said, come to my house. Even though for a Jewish rabbi, it was illegal to go into a Gentile's house. Jesus didn't waste no time when the Samaritan woman was talking to him. He engaged in conversation to the point where it surprised her. Because the Samaritans were not supposed to be talking to Jewish people. It was illegal. So yes, the Bible had their own Jim Crow days. But Jesus broke the mold. And that's what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. Breaking the mold. Not engaging in those things, but engaging in them with the spiritual realm and allowing the kingdom of heaven to engage each and every person. Amen. So this morning, I want to just, or this afternoon, I want us to just get kingdom focused. Amen. Can somebody say with me, kingdom focused? So if you have battled, I don't care when you battled, but you're going through battles or whatever it is that's going on, and you're saying in your heart, I'm battling right now, I'm going through issues, I'm going through this, and I need to come alongside of somebody who can pray with me through this. I want you to come up front right now. Let's move this out of the way. We're going to help you build the wall where the enemy cannot penetrate your defenses. On, get a little closer. Don't worry. I won't bite. I'm standing here too because I'm also one in a battle. So everyone else, if you say, okay, I I'm probably not in a battle right now, but 
I know how to build walls and I know how to pray. I want you to just come behind these people right now. Just come behind them. I want you to do sort of like a makeshift wall around them. Mm, Jesus. Because you're going to be with your bricks in one hand and your sword in another. You're going to build the defenses around them. Need somebody over here with them too. Come on. We're going to do some teamwork. We're going to build up the walls around you. We're going to make sure the enemy does not attack your health. Anything that's going on right now, we're just going to pray with you through it. Come on, just pray, just pray, just pray, just pray, just pray. Just pray. Just pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are building a wall around each and every one of them, Lord. You are building a wall of defense against the enemy's plans and purposes. Father, we thank you, Lord, of God, that you are healing. You are bringing health. You are bringing true divine health into their lives. Lord, you are also bringing about a change and a shift. Lord, all distractions must go. Lord, we thank you that there are no breaches in the wall. We thank you that the gates are getting hung. We thank you, Lord, of God, that the enemy has no power, no dominion. Lord, we thank you that your word is truth. And Lord, we speak only truth. We say, Lord, that you are the God above all, that you are the great I am, that you are the one who fights our battles, that you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. You are also Jehovah Shalom, our peace. You are also God, the one that brings about everything in our lives. So Lord, you are the one who was, who is, and is to come. So Lord, we give you the glory and the honor right now. The great I am, we give you the glory and the honor right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We build up a wall, oh God, around our brothers and sisters. We build up a wall around our leaders, oh God. We build up a wall around the ministry, God. We build up a wall, oh God, where the enemy has no power, no power to engage us. And we do not engage with the enemy on his terms, but we will engage with the enemy on your terms. So, Lord, we thank you for the presence, the glory, Lord, that you are releasing There's a community of believers here for you. I want us also to surround the Pastor Doug and Cindy we can get a couple of people to do that Jesus name I don't know where Cindy's at oh there she is she's surrounded you may think that I'm surrounded over here pastor yeah you got it All right, so Lord, right now we build up walls around 
our pastors. Lord, we ask, oh God, that you will surround them with your love, joy, peace, (laughs) prosperity. We thank you for the legacy that they leave. Thank you, Lord of God, for the legacy that they're building and everything that they're doing, Lord. We thank you for the encouragement in their heart. We thank you, Lord of God, for all that you're doing through them. We ask, oh God, that you will continue to strengthen them, give them wisdom, give them understanding, give them all that they need to continue the work. It is a great work, Lord. We thank you for their hands, oh God. That they have put to the plow 20 years ago and they continue not looking back. We thank you that there's a new thing coming. (laughs) We thank you, Lord of God, that this is a new wall. That the enemy has no foothold. We thank you, Lord, for the release of more. More glory. More power. More anointing. (laughs) <laughs> more joy yes Father we thank you that there is a community of believers here right now who have been called to build been called to build least right now. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to pray for a couple of you this morning, this afternoon. Release our prayer team. Just stay here as they pray for you, single you out, give you prophetic